Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. Well, good to see you guys. Hey, we got a special guest. One of our, our uh, ministry friends, Sharam Hadian, is with us. I wasn't supposed to be here. I was supposed to be in Michigan, but they canceled the uh, conference I was at, and they're rescheduling that. So I got a chance to be here and to be with my buddy, Sharam Hadian, and we've had him before multiple times, as you know. He's a great guy. You grew up in Iran, didn't you? Because, uh, when did you convert to Christianity? 1999, and he converted from Islam, right? So this guy is amazing, man. Uh, Truth and Love Project, he moved from Washington. I, I, I don't blame you. And he went to Tennessee. God bless you for getting out of there. But Sharam goes around, and uh, he speaks on things that are happening in the world. And right now, he's going to talk about the great pushback. And this is preparing the end-time church to counter the Great Reset like we've talked about. So, hey, give him a warm welcome from Rock Harbor Church. Thank you, Pastor Ben. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Good morning, Rock Harbor. It is so good to be uh, back with you guys here. And I'm, I'm so excited that Pastor Brandon's here. Um, you guys are a blessed church because you guys are a church that, uh, that uh, uh, truly are being educated uh, trained, equipped to uh, be representatives of Christ in this hour. Uh, the, the church needs to be the light of the world, the salt of the world. We can't do that if we don't know what's going on, right? If we're uneducated and untrained and unprepared for what is happening. So I pray this morning, this message will just simply uh, add on to what uh, your pastor and this leadership in your church is already working towards to do such an amazing job of uh, preparing this body to stand in this community and this region and also have an impact across this nation. Before I get into um, this message, if I can just pray specifically, I want to ask the Lord for uh, his anointing. So Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for this opportunity to be with your people here in Bakersfield, California, Lord God, I pray that you would uh, just bless and anoint this time. Lord, let my words be your words. Let uh, my heart be your heart, Lord God. And I just pray that uh, you will receive all the honor and glory as you uh, desire to prepare your people to equip the saints for the work of the ministry that is ahead of us. Lord, we bless you. We just give you, again, the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, just very quickly, as Pastor Brandon said, I'm originally from Iran. I was born in Iran, raised in a Muslim family, uh, converted to Christianity in 1999, 23 years ago, just celebrated my 23rd spiritual birthday. Um, and uh, praise God. So thank you, Lord. And uh, as you can tell by the picture there, I'm the, the young, handsome one in the middle that's very colorful. Uh, when, when I had lots of hair, I'm not sure what happened to all the hair. It disappeared somehow over the years. But uh, anyway, um, tonight... Uh, the uh, presentation we're having tonight at six o'clock, I'll be sharing a little bit more again about the whole aspect of my uh, background coming from out of Islam and why I'm so concerned about uh, what we see with, with the, the coming one world religion 
and, and, and how the, the gospel of Jesus Christ that rescued me, right? Listen, I'm telling you right now, uh, lukewarmness and ecumenicalism and interfaith and all this one world, that's not what saved me. That's not what brought me out of Islam into the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was the one truth. It was the one way, amen, that, uh, that set me free. So I'll be sharing about that more tonight and about my background. The one thing I will tell you, and if you remember last time I was here, I spoke on what happened in Iran, the coup and what we saw happen there. And, and, and now to, to see so many parallels and similarities happening in the US. This is why we are warning. This is why we must be watchmen in this hour, particularly those of us who've maybe come from other parts of the world who lived through certain things and now are witnessing those things in America. So uh, we'll be doing that as we, as we move on. If you wanna be connected to our uh, website, or I mean to our ministry, go to our website, uh, tillproject.com, tillproject.com. We have cards on the table in the back there. Lots of information, text alerts. If you wanna be tech savvy, you can sign up for our text alerts. The reason that matters is because we are doing a weekly show now as well. So Thursday nights, if you, wanna, uh, if you don't have anything going on here, if you wanna watch archives, uh, we're doing a show called Truth Today live every Thursday at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific to be able to keep, as Pastor Brandon is doing here, to keep the body of Christ educated and up to speed with what is happening uh, rapidly, right? Rapidly before our very eyes. Again, tonight, if you want to come back at 6 p.m. right here, uh, preparing the end time church, exposing the coming one world religion and the Abrahamic faith lie, I'll be sharing again more about my testimony and then also we'll be sharing about ways that we're going to counter and stand and about some things that you guys are doing here right here at Rock Harbor locally to be able to be a part of preparing the body for things that are coming. Uh, we definitely need to prepare the body of Christ for what's coming and making sure that we uh, are on a solid foundation and ready to resist uh, the, the, the entire shift that's happening globally. Uh, we'll talk about that more tonight. Speaking of um, the preparation, I know being a part of Rock Harbor that you guys clearly see that we are in the end times, correct? And we're in the last hours of the end times. It's hard to know how close we are really to uh, the Lord taking the church home and, and, and the uh, events of the tribulation beginning. But we know that we're still called to occupy. I love what you said, Pastor Brandon, in that video, uh, that we're gonna resist and we're going to stand against evil until the Lord takes us, amen? amen. That's our calling, amen? We're not called to you know, hide and flee and escape, but we're gonna stand our ground. But we got to prepare the church to be the end time church. You know, uh, my birth country of Iran, as I've shared with you before, one of the greatest revivals right now that's happening on the planet is happening in Iran amongst the Persian people. They're coming to Christ in huge, huge numbers. Praise God. But that also uh, means that there's great persecution. And the American church is not yet ready for persecution. We've been sp speaking on this for years that we gotta prepare the body of Christ here in America and in the West for an increased level of persecution because persecution is going to happen. It's happened for 2,000 years of church history. It's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. The question is, how will we walk through that persecution? And as was mentioned during the time of worship, we know persecution refines the church, amen? amen. So we should not fear it. We should prepare for it. 
Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not welcoming it. I'm, I'm not like, yes, Lord, thank you. I, I can't wait for persecution. But we're gonna prepare for it and be ready. So we're gonna prepare the end time church. Now, the question was asked of the Lord in Matthew 24, Lord, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? This is a direct question that the, uh, uh, the disciples were asking Jesus as he was preparing to go. Of course, now, remember, they had a, a, a very warped uh, view of the timing of the coming kingdom, right? They, they were all messed up. They didn't understand the two advents. They didn't understand that Jesus had come to first suffer as the suffering servant, as the suffering Messiah, uh, and then that the second time. But see, sadly, the church today has it backwards as well. We're still thinking that Jesus is the suffering servant, and we're forgetting that he's coming back as the conquering king. Amen. We're forgetting that he's coming back as a man of war. So we still have him as the little sheep that we pet, you know, as the lamb of God when he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. So the, the Lord is jealous for his church. The Lord is jealous for his people and he warned them. So here's the question, Lord, what would be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Well, isn't that a good question? Pastor Brandon, so many churches won't talk about Bible prophecy. Yet the question that was asked of Jesus is, is, Lord, tell us what will be the signs of your coming so that we ought to know, are we not? We don't know the exact day or the hour, but are we not to know the signs of his coming and to prepare ourselves? This is why prophecy matters. This is why we speak on these issues. It's not the fear monger. It's to, to, to be a blessing. What did Revelation say, right? Blessed are those who read, who hear and keep the words of prophecy. So what is Jesus's answer? The very first thing of all the things that he could say, and we know later in Matthew 24, he's gonna go through a list of different things, but what is the very first thing he says is a sign of the coming of the end of the age and of his soon return. The very first thing he says is, take heed that no one deceives you. So deception, the increase of deception in the body of Christ is one of the greatest signs, if not the greatest sign, that we're getting closer to his coming. How many of you agree that we're seeing a rapid increase of deception in the body of Christ? You just saw that. 52% of professing Christians are okay with murdering babies in the womb. Tonight I'm gonna share about biblical worldview of pastors. George Barner just did a study, just came out last month the biblical worldview of pastors in America, abysmal, abysmal. So if pastors don't have a biblical worldview, how is the congregation supposed to have a biblical worldview? So we have to understand that deception is the number one concern of the Lord for his church in the last days. That's a sign. And so as such, this is why we are preparing the end time church to counter deception with truth and with preparation. Now, of course, as Bible prophecy is unfolding before our very eyes, and again, I know that as a, as a church, you guys are well-trained by Pastor Brandon here as far as to understand the, uh, the confluence of the coming one world government, economy, and religion. Revelation 13, of course, co coinciding with uh, the, the prophecy of Daniel 7 with the regards to the beast system. People always ask me, why do you call it that? Because that's what the Bible calls it. 
Well, it's so derogatory. That's what the Bible calls it. If the Bible calls it a beast system, then I'm going to call it a beast system. So therefore, this beast system, which Revelation 16 actually tells us there's an unholy trinity. We know there's a divine trinity and there's an unholy trinity because we know that the, the dragon that comes up that is cast out of heaven, Revelation 12, is the dragon that then empowers or give, gives breath to the beast that comes up out of the sea, right? That beast that comes up out of the sea is the governmental beast, that is also going to be connected to, the, to the, the economic beast. That's all part of that beast that comes out of the sea. And then tonight I'll be talking about the beast that comes out of the land, which is the religious beast system. How many of you know there's a religious beast system that is being formed right now? So we have to understand this isn't just some minor differences that we have on theology in the church. This is a beast system. It is an antichrist system that is manifesting itself. And as such, the Bible calls this, this beast system a system that is set to be able to offset or come against God's people. Now, the globalists call it the New World Order. Actually, they're not calling it that anymore, right? Because they beta tested that word and found out that it was a little too derogatory, a little bit too 1984-ish, right? It doesn't quite sell their, their whole New World Order. But understand that, that that's what they're trying to implement, right, is a shift, uh, we have a DVD called Sabotage that, that I, I did with my friend uh, uh, um, Brandon House and we, we were trying to warn about how uh, there is this kind of unholy trinity uh, that is coming from governmental, economic, and the religious system that is trying to sabotage America and, and sabotage the church. Because the enemy knows if you can water down and neuter the church of Jesus Christ then there's no opposition to what he's doing. If I had asked you, and pastor, I'm still conflated about this, that if I had asked you, if I told you three years ago that any event, any event would have shut down 90% of churches in America, you would have, I don't know, I wouldn't have believed it. Personally, I would have said, nah, I, I can't see that happening. 90% of churches shut down. But that's exactly what happened. So they have to sabotage the church to sabotage the nations. So we'll keep talking about that. Part of that sabotage is that anybody that is now in opposition, you, saw, you guys saw this a couple of months ago, that uh, in fact, just, just a couple of days ago, Department of Homeland Security again is coming out and labeling anybody that is a Christian or basically a, a patriot uh, as, as a domestic terrorist. That's, that's how they're viewing us. You oppose any kind of COVID lockdowns, you're a domestic terrorist. You claim that the election was stolen, you're a domestic terrorist. You're an insurrectionist. You think they're done with January 6th? Look what they're doing. They just arrested a candidate for governor in the state of Michigan. He's leading Whitmer there. He's a leading candidate. They just arrested him because he walked into the Capitol building on January 6th when they had opened the doors. They're not done. So we have to understand what this new world order, this beast system is about. Ultimately, what is it about? To war on Christians. Ultimately, this is about a war on us as the, as the Bible-believing, professing, end-time remnant church. So should we be shocked by this? No. 
We shouldn't be because we know that the persecution is gonna increase, but we should prepare ourselves. We should gird ourselves up and make sure that we are organized, particularly in our local churches, to resist this tyranny and evil that is coming. So therefore, we need a great pushback. Now, why am I using this language? Well, because we're gonna counter their language with biblical language, with godly language, with righteous language. And what the Lord really laid on my heart, how many of you know in your, in your, in your uh, study of scripture that not only is Satan a liar, we know he's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's a father of lies, but how many of you know that he's a usurper? So Satan's always trying to usurp God's authority, God's timing. We know, according to Bible prophecy, again, for example, with what I just covered with you in Revelation 13, that these events must happen. What we don't know is the exact timing of these events happening. We see the signs that are coming. We know that the structure is being laid. But I'm of the opinion that right now what's happening is not yet exactly God's timing for these events. Does that make sense? So I believe that Satan is rushing or accelerating the events that are going to happen, but he's always trying to usurp God's timing. As such, I believe that we have a small window of opportunity to organize, to push back, to resist, not stop, because we will not stop this, but to resist that evil for as long as we can. Because the new world order, that beast system that we're gonna briefly talk about here in just a minute, it is not of God. I, I'm shocked at still how many Christians, because of a poor biblical worldview, and I'm not saying here, obviously, with you guys, but as I travel across the country, how many Christians, because of a poor, poor biblical worldview, are celebrating what is happening globally? They're celebrating. Wow, we're becoming a smaller global community. Because now with all of the digital, uh, digital community, digital communications, everything is instant. This is wonderful. Not recognizing that that system is a beast system. So as I've said before, the simple way of understanding is that the God of the Bible is not the God of globalism. The God of the Bible is the God of nationalism. He is the God of individual nations, individual borders and boundaries, individual tongues, tribes, and people groups. He is not a God of con- uh, this, this merging and this mixing. It didn't go well to, at the Tower of Babel. It's not gonna go well for the Antichrist system. Jesus is not gonna be happy when he's returning. Again, he's coming back to war. He's coming back to war. He's not coming back to bring unity on the world. He's not coming back to bring false peace. That's what the Antichrist system is gonna do, right? He's coming back to war. And as his people, we ought to be preparing ourselves to spiritually war right now. We have to recognize we're in a war. When this pushback happens, or as it's happening, I believe that as the enemy is setting up his new world order, God is trying to put things in divine order. Because the kingdom is coming, right? We're preparing ultimately for his coming kingdom. What are we gonna be doing during the thousand year reign? We're gonna be ruling and reigning. 
right? We're not taking a vacation. Jesus is coming back to physically rule and reign on this planet. So those who are with him are going to be part of that rule and reign. So he's putting things in order. I believe that the spirit of God right now is trying to reclaim that which we've handed over. You know, when I talk to pastors or Christians, they'll say, well, you know, we just, we, we just got to, and I, they love this phrase, you know, they love this verse, you know, we just got to render on the Caesar what is due on the Caesar, and that's why the last two and a half years we did what we did. Because after all, we just got to, you know, do what Caesar tells us to do on some of these things. But for years and years and years, the church has been giving up things to Caesar that don't belong to Caesar. And I believe that as we're in these end times and, and, and the Lord is preparing his church, he's reclaiming those things that belong to him. And that's part of divine order. Now, if we wanna be a part of a body and, and the end time church that is a part of that work, we have to understand that we gotta be consecrated. So part of the pushback is going to come when we know without doubt who we belong to and we know where our reliance is. So here's what I want to say to you today as an encouragement, I hope and pray that right now is a, is a time of decision. I'm, 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 I'm trying to encourage you as best as I can. God is removing the middle ground, the squishy middle, the, the lukewarm middle, the, 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 the middle of indecision is being evaporated. If anything that we should be observing as we're watching what's happening globally is it is time to choose. Satan is setting up his beast system and he's setting up his mark system. God is getting ready to set up his kingdom system and God, you know, once we get to the tribulation and God is getting ready to do what? Mark his people. So we are choosing who we belong to. So consecration means what? That we are set apart and holy. We're set apart and consecrated for the service only unto God. You and I have to make the decision that in the days ahead, our reliance on God has got to be 100% and our reliance on the world has got to be zero. Now we're in the world, but we're not of this world. And that's why we're gonna talk about how God is building systems within the church to prepare for this time that until he comes for us, we still have to resist. We still have to navigate through these very, very perilous days. So God is consecrating us. And can I tell you that once you get, by the way, how many of you desire to see revival in a spiritual measure? And I'm not talking about uh, whether we can revive America as a, as a political system. I'm talking about spiritual revival, right? The outpouring of the spirit where, where God comes and the spirit comes. And, and as we know, right, it's prophesied in, in Joel chapter two, Acts chapter two, God is going to pour out his spirit in the last days on all flesh. We want to see that revival. But can I tell you that revival has got to begin where? Right here. It's got to begin with me. The greatest pushback starts right here. When I decide that I'm set apart for Christ, that's going to give me the momentum and the motivation and the desire in my, in my own choices to say I'm going to resist this, this coming system. That's the first place. Then it begins in our homes, with our marriages, with our families, with our children. Then it happens in the church. And then possibly 
we could see it happen in our communities. But it's not gonna happen in our communities unless God sets apart his people. Now, as part of the signs of the time, remember they asked the question of Jesus, Lord, what are the signs of your time? I wanna just quickly go through, this is all review for you guys, so I'm gonna go through pretty quick, but you guys know that, you know, again, they rebranded the, the whole New World Order into the Great Reset. That's the branding term, right? It's, it's, a, it's the term they love to use now. They're so good at, the enemy's so good at being able to try to rebrand things that are still evil. It's not abortion, it's not murder, it's reproductive rights. So we have to make sure we understand what it is. The Great Reset is simply just what? It's the B system. And so, you know, I love this image. It's one of my favorite images. I've showed this before where, where, you know, they use this term because it was amazing how if you actually go back and study the fact that for 20 years since the turn of the millennium, uh, they started actually preparing us for what was what just happened in the last two and a half years because they were priming and priming and priming because they knew that once they released that magical word, the magical P word, that once they released that magical P word called pandemic, that that's going to be able to move them in the direction of where they wanted to go because they had primed society for this big fear, a pandemic. And the, and, and the, and the, the, the disgusting thing about what happened is that most people didn't even bother saying, wait a second, what's a pandemic? What's the definition of a pandemic? Because remember, they have to keep changing definitions. CDC's definition was where one to 3% of the population has to die before they would label something as a pandemic. One to 3% of the American population would have been what? Three and a half million to 10 million people. Even if you believe every person who died from COVID died from COVID, we're not even close to that. And yet America, interestingly, with 5% of the world's population, has a quarter of the world's deaths. How is that possible? Unless we were targeted. Unless this isn't a naturally occurring virus, but that it was a bioweapon. Boy, those of us, Pastor Bannon, who were saying that from the very beginning, that we were kooks and conspiracy theorists, now, if you claim that this is a naturally occurring thing, I, I would harbor to say that you are living in the uh, realm of fantasy. Because now we know, without a doubt, how bioengineered these things are. And I'll show you that in a minute. But they released this word. They got the fear going. And oh boy, how that fear worked. Because again, not only did that fear work in the world, sadly, and listen, this is a, I'm standing here before you and I hope we can have an honest conversation. We have to be honest. It worked in the church. The majority of, of the churches in this nation acted no differently, but praise God for the churches like Rock Harbor that saw that this happening, that you guys had the leadership and the wisdom and the discernment that's all I, was, all I was calling for at the beginning of this whole thing was why are we not coming together and seeking the Lord? Lord, give us wisdom and discernment to see what is happening before we shut down our churches, shut down our businesses because we have to see there's an there's agenda. So the Great Reset now has moved to the great narrative, right? Remember that, or the great narrative? This is the, the, the representing the, the, the narrow but uh, opportunity, narrow window of our opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world, right? That was the, now the narrative is shifting. And we shifted right along with it. 
Very few people resist it. You know, we were in North Idaho at the time, Eastern Washington, North Idaho. And for years I've been working with, with, with groups there, churches there, patriots there. And everybody was, you know, before, before Trump came into office, everyone was like, well, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to stand our ground. We're going to resist. They're, they're not coming for us. They're not coming for our freedoms. They're not coming for our guns without a fight. Then Trump got elected, and then we all went to sleep collectively. Well, he'll take care of it. You know, they'll take care of it there. We forgot the, the battle that we're in. And then when, remember, mafioso Fauci said what? Right, at Georgetown in 2017, uh, there's a surprise pandemic at the end of this administration's term in 2017, right? Remember that? So, but my point was this, is that in 2020, when this happened, the pushback wasn't there. The fight wasn't there. Imagine how different things would be right now if that fight had been there two years ago. But here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. We now have no excuse you understand? All the people that said to me, we just didn't know, well, now you know. Now you know. And I'm here to tell you, it's coming back. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But, but just, just for pontificate for a minute, I don't understand how, it, it's just weird how these evil individuals, and again, you know Klaus Schwab is just a puppet of, of, of the demonic. This is demonic, right? This is the beast system. Remember again, the beast is empowered by the breath of Satan himself. It is, it is a demonically inspired system that we're seeing manifest on the globe right now. So these individuals are demonically inspired. But just to have a moment of levity, I just thought, you know, why is it that these, these, these evil guys always look the same? I don't understand why they always, the bad guys always had to kind of have that same look. Um, so it's just weird. I don't know. Maybe it's a coincidence. But anyway, moving on, moving on. Just a, mo- a singular moment of levity. Um, how many of you know that God gives wisdom to those who ask? And he gives it liberally. How many of you know that when we were praying back and following this stuff, that the Lord was giving us wisdom to, to see the patterns. This is not even necessary to be prophetic. It's just to watch patterns, to look at behavior, to study history, to study how they take down a nation or a system. So remember Trump again goes to the UN 2019, puts them on notice. We're not going to go globalists. We're going to go nationalists. Then three weeks later in New York, they have a meeting uh, of a pandemic exercise called Event 201 which really is Agenda 21. Don't get distracted by the world in the middle. It's really a, the manifestation of Agenda 21, which is uh, the precursor to Agenda 2030, which is when they want to implement everything. That's their goal. And when you study the event 201, you understand that it looked, it looked eerily similar to what happened two months later when they released the coronavirus, a zootonic coronavirus upon the world. So we were warning people back in, November, December, January, hey, listen, pay attention. And now I'm telling you again, pay attention. Because here's what happened last year, right? March of, by the way, by the way, do you guys know, you guys heard some terms, right? 
For example, one of the terms you heard was lockstep, that we're gonna do things in lockstep. Well, you know that there was a pandemic exercise in 2010, uh, actually sponsored by the Rockefeller Foundation called Lockstep. So the whole idea was that everything that we're gonna do is gonna be in lockstep. Nationally, governments, uh, corporations, technology, media, churches, one more time, churches, lockstep, right? This is nothing new. We saw Hitler co-opt the churches in Nazi Germany, lockstep. We saw Obama uh, uh, mobilize pastors, lockstep. So it's nothing new. But so we follow their patterns, right? So March of last year, 2021, there was an NTI event. This is the Nuclear Threat uh, Initiative Organization. They did another pandemic uh, uh, exercise, March of last year, where they estimated there was going to be a release of a new virus that was going to infect uh, 3 billion people and kill 270 million people. And that new virus was called monkeypox. Beautiful. And you know, in the the training, you know when they said it's going to be released? May 15th of 2022. So what do we see in May of this year? May 6th, May 7th, reports of monkeypox. The rare monkeypox arrived. But what's here's what's crazy is that Gates happens to have the vaccine already ready to go. What a quinketing. And then right before Biden sends his, his uh, uh, lackeys over to Geneva for the World Health Assembly to give away our sovereignty, he spends $119 million executive orders, $119 million expenditures to buy vaccines for monkeypox. Yet we can't find baby formula. We didn't see that one coming. (laughs) But we got $119 million to buy buy vaccines for monkeypox. So now, if monkeypox doesn't happen, then I'd be shocked because given their pattern of behavior, they're telling us what they're gonna do. So as, as I said last night, we had a small meeting here I was saying that this is a pattern. It's a pattern of we're gonna hook you, right? We release this thing, we're gonna hook you. We're gonna kind of lock you down a little bit. Then we'll let you off for a couple of months, go play, have fun. Then we're gonna hook you again. But the next time we hook you, it's gonna be much harder. Then we're gonna release you. So right now we're in the release phase of this catch and phase experiment because we're allowing ourselves to be played with because we don't have the collective pushback to say enough is enough. We will obey God. We will not obey this tyranny. We will not obey these tyrants. We will not obey this evil. We will not succumb to this fear. We didn't have the collective wisdom in the church to see. So pastors like Pastor Brandon and others who stood their ground, we were called, they were called loons and conspiracy terrorists and murderers for keeping their churches open because they had the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to recognize what this is as a satanic attack. So I'm telling you, lockdowns are coming in the fall. Also, here's another good clue. We're having an election. Now, they're gonna, they would love to cancel the election, but I think that would probably spur on civil war 
Well, I don't know. And honestly, Pastor, I don't know because just like I thought two years ago that there would have been a greater pushback from, from Americans, but maybe it's not. Maybe they'll cancel the elections and nobody will say a word. But I think that's not likely. What's more likely is massive lockdowns, much closer now to what we saw happening in Shanghai and in China. Because remember, every time they yank us back, it's harder. It's more blatant. And then what will happen is we're going to go all mail-in voting again. Unless we push back. Unless we organize and get ready now for what's coming. Please recognize this is ultimately part of Satan's great deception. The move towards now transhumanism, technocracy, the merging and mixing. You know this guy, right? You know this guy. Are you guys familiar with this guy, Mr. Harari? The evil, uh, very, very uh, demonic, homosexual Jew from, he, talk about a confused human being that, that is serving Satan. And, and tonight I'll play a different clip, but just to, here's this, just this 45 second clip. You, you guys have probably heard this one, but listen to this 45 second clip of what he's talking about with their plans for humanity. These are God haters, understand. These are absolutely God haters, but they're moving they're talking about transhumanism so matter of fact and yet so many Christians aren't aware of, they, they, they just think this is science fiction, not fiction. Listen. People could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This, I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Natural selection is replaced by intelligent design. The era of inorganic life is now beginning. In the coming decades, AI and biotechnology will give us godlike abilities to re-engineer life and even to create completely new life forms. <laughs> so... If you actually bother listening to any of the videos, and I've had the unfortunate of actually watching videos that come out of the World Economic Forum and just listen to some of their panel discussions. Like just matter of fact, they're talking about the, the CEO of Nokia came out and said that within 2030, they're going full, full 6G, not 5G, 6G. And as they go 6G, there's no doubt that you won't need a cell phone anymore because it will be implanted onto your, into your human physical biological weapon. I'll play a video tonight about how they're mixing uh, technocracy with, with human biology. So what I'm trying to tell you is that Satan's plan, when you now begin to understand why scripture says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will be before the coming of the son of man, you understand that, that, that in the days of Noah, what was the ultimate sin that caused God to be able to bring destruction upon the world? It was the, it was the degradation of human DNA. It was the degradation and the corruption of human DNA, of, of, of uh, humans not being humans anymore. And so we can anticipate that it's going to be very similar before the coming of the Son of Man 
and they're mixing. But these are absolutely sick, 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 demonic individuals. And their plans for us. They talk about us as if we are what? Simply lab animals, things to be hacked and played around with. So this is part of that satanic agenda. There's three things, by the way, the globalists need. One, they need nations to give up sovereignty. So going back to the bigger plan. That's why we brought attention. My friend Leah Holman, who wrote this article, he actually was one of the first people to break this story with Michelle Bachman six weeks before the, the uh, World Health Summit. Nobody was paying attention to these uh, proposed amendments. Everyone kept saying, oh, well, they can't do this. It's a treaty. They're going to have to ratify it by the Senate. No, they were working off an existing treaty in 2005. They would simply go there, have a majority vote of 194 nations and amend to be able to give up. This would have been the greatest uh, surrender of, of our sovereignty in our history, in, really in the history of the world. And it seems like we pushed back enough, praise God, that it fell apart. And now, But now they're coming in November for what they call a new pandemic treaty. So we got to be on, on our guard for what they're doing. So number one is giving up national sovereignty over to globalism. Number two, they want to come for our guns. Right? You've all this shooting, all these shootings happen. And of course, as you saw with AOC, the pistol did it, right? I have, a, I have many, many weapons in my home. None of them ever did anything. I never watched one of them jump out of my safe and do anything. But we understand this is evil. We understand the corruption. Nobody asked a tough question. Nobody asked how an 18-year-old buys, uh, has two, two DD uh, AR-15s that are, uh, law, remember I was a former police officer. These are, these are law enforcement level AR-15s around five grand. Full body armor, hundreds of rounds of ammo, where does he get that stuff? Nobody asks these tough questions because if you do, you're a conspiracy wacko. But yet all the nations of the earth have jumped on the bandwagon, including our buddy up in Canada, Mr. Trudeau, uh, we're gonna ban all the guns. So understand the agenda. That's all I'm trying to tell you, right? Then the food shortages, right? Here's the Economist, which is a Rockefeller-owned publication. You look closely at those sheaves. Look closely. What do you see? Those are skulls. They're telling us what's coming. Should we not prepare? Or is it just not trusting God if we actually prepare for what they're telling us is coming? Isn't it wisdom that God would help us to prepare for the things that are coming? And know that, yes, our trust is on the Lord 100%, but as the body of Christ, we gotta also get practically ready, spiritually ready for the things that they're trying to do. I was telling the group last night, in Iran right now, they just implemented a QR code on a phone. It, to our knowledge, it's the first nation, speaking of Iran, that has done this, where on the phone, you have to have a QR code to buy food, and specifically it's starting with bread, because they've so destroyed the Iranian economy. The average person in Iran is so struggling to make ends meet. And now the price of bread, and I think somewhere in the Bible it says this, I'm being facetious. The price of bread literally is a day's wage. So for the average Iranian, it takes a day's wage to simply buy bread. So what they did was they said, okay, if you have this QR code 
on your phone and you have to only purchase with that, then the government is doing a subsidy where you can buy that bread for cheaper only if you have that digital ID on your phone. So when we say that we are on the verge, this is the foundation of the mark of the beast system. We're not being crazy. You saw what they're telling you they're going to do. You saw Mr. Harari tell you the implementation of this digital tracking surveillance under the skin, the greatest accomplishment of this 21st century. Then, of course, we have the other pieces of the puzzle, right? Digital currency, the CBDC, central bank digital currency, which Biden executive ordered March 9th, and we're moving towards that. Don't fret, though, because God always has his economy. And, and then a part of that, of course, is this whole ESG, environmental social governance scoring, that uh, 90% of corporations are already using, but they're trying to use it with, with individuals now. That's what they're doing in China, right? It's called the social credit score. And then finally, digital ID. So they have to merge digital ID with digital currency. That's two of the pieces of this puzzle. And the third puzzle, piece of the puzzle is give up sovereignty and give up any ability to fight back. That's why they have to disarm humanity. So we have to be aware of that. Ultimately, please recognize this is a war on Christianity, right? Ultimately recognize that that's why we have to understand we are in the times of the persecution. So we're not going to then shy away. We're not going to shrink back. We're going to rise up. This is the time to armor up and prepare yourself to be the ambassador of Christ with a biblical worldview, standing in this hour, standing in the gap, standing in the interceding, standing and praying, standing and sharing the gospel to make sure that we're going to still make Christ known because people still need the hope of the gospel. Amen? They need that truth to set them free. What we don't need is a woke church. What we don't need is a woke church because all woke churches do is give up sovereignty and give up authority and give up uh, jurisdiction. Every time they compromise, this is what we don't understand. Every time we compromise the word of God and the gospel, all we're doing is giving up authority and then jurisdiction over to the enemy. You know, well, you know, we, we, we just want to be all, we, we want to be an LGBTQIAXWZ affirming church. And that's how we'll reach people for Christ. No, all you've done is surrendered authority, surrendered jurisdiction, given power up. You have no power. You're a useless church. Amen. We want to be a Black Lives Matter affirming church so that we have to apologize, set up your pastor. Oh, I'm so sorry for being white. How dare you apologize for the way God made you? Amen? Amen. All you're doing is giving up sovereignty and or, uh, authority and jurisdiction over to the enemy. Again, you have no power. You are now a church that has lost its salt, and you're, you're not good for anything but the dung heap. We have to stop being a woke church. Now, should we be an awakened church? Absolutely. Amen. We got to awaken and alert ourselves to the times, the signs of the times. That's why Bible prophecy matters. That's why we talk on these issues. We're not trying to stay, move away from the gospel. We're not trying to move away from the Great Commission. These events ought to be pushing us with greater urgency to fulfill the Great Commission. Amen? Amen. And, and to follow Christ. So let's talk about sp some spiritual aspects of the great, great, uh, the, the great pushback. One of the things is, number one, that the very first thing you and I have to do is stop living in fear. 
If we're gonna push back, we gotta stop living in fear. I, you know, we, we could sit here and speculate about, about all their plans and what they're scheming and what they're gonna unleash next and what bioweapon, it's monkeypox or it's Donkey Kong or whatever, whatever they, they release. But, but ultimately, we don't know exactly. The Lord knows we don't know. Bottom line is, if you and I make a decision right now, as the church ought to have done, we will walk in faith, in power, in a sound mind, in love, and not in fear. We're gonna be okay, amen? amen. We're gonna be okay. That's the beginning of our pushback. Stop living in fear. Fear not. 365 times in scripture, right? The most spoken phrase in the entire Bible. Fear not, my people. Amen? That's number one. That means that when the push comes, when you stand your ground and the push comes, we're gonna fire you. Fear not. Lord, what is the right thing to do? You're gonna have to take that jab. Lord, fear not. What is the right thing to do? You're going to have to wear that mask. Fear not. Lord, what is the right thing to do? You're going to have to, you know, t- uh, put that coat on your phone to eat. Fear not. Lord, what am I to do? What is the wisdom to do? Make that decision right now. Number two, we need to be people that are not going to manipulate the truth. We don't need a ministry of truth. We need to be ministers of the truth. Amen. We don't need a government ministry of the truth, which is gonna simply just be a government disinformation campaign. We need to be ministers of the truth because we know that the truth sets us free. By the way, how do you counter fear? Speak the truth. How do you counter fear? Speak the truth in love, and that counters fear. Number three, we gotta circle the wagons. Now, what does that mean? That means that you gotta, again, circle the wagons and and, and come around like-minded Other believers, this is why your church community is so important right now. Circle the wagons in your home. Circle the wagons with your kids. Draw closer to your kids. Draw closer to your spouse. Draw closer to your church community more than ever. The church has spent too long being seeker-driven and focusing out there. It first has got to take care of business here before we can take care of business out there. So I believe this is a, a word the Lord gave me as far as circle the wagons. Now, what does that mean for individual believers? Well, first of all, I wanna, I wanna just minister for a moment to the ladies. One of the things that the Lord put on my heart is, is as ladies, you're gonna consecrate yourselves. We need a revival of godly femininity and godly women again. We have had an attack on being a woman of God, what it means to be feminine, what it, what it means to be created in the image of God. Genesis one, you're made in the image of God, ladies. Number two, God has already declared you to be beautiful, amen? You're beautiful in the eyes of God. You need to walk in that, in that beauty. You need to walk in that holiness. You have to pray to be a Proverbs 31 woman of God, amen? Restore, remember what I said, divine order. Restore what the enemy has taken away right? The enemy has taken away godly femininity. Now we don't even know what a woman is anymore. What is a woman? I'm sorry, I can't answer that question because I'm not a biologist. By the way, you just answered the question. Are you kidding me that we can't even define? Can I tell you God's already defined it? Amen? Proverbs 31, here we go. Charm is deceitful, beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Amen? Walk in the fear of the Lord. Let the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in her gates. Proverbs 31, she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household, does not eat the bread of idleness. So ladies, my prayer for you 
and I'm going to pray just before we finish this morning that the Lord will bring this restoration in the hearts and, and, and minds and lives of every one of you, daughters of the king. Because you need to understand that the pushback has got to come when we align ourselves with our identity in Christ, who God has made us to be. And when that confidence is there, then that removes all of this confusion, all of this nonsense where we can't identify what a man, what a woman is, what is marriage, what is this, what is life, what we can't even, we can't figure anything out. And by the way, we can't figure out that ladies, we shouldn't have been handing our children over to the government to raise our children, amen? Men, you're coming, men, don't worry, you're coming. I'm not, I'm not forgetting the men. Speaking of the men, we need a revival of godly masculinity. You see, what has the enemy done? Toxic masculinity. No, God says there is a godly masculinity, right? Be on alert. First Corinthians, Paul says, be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. We need men who are going to be protectors and providers, now, I'm not talking about who, who, who men. Uh, that, that's not, I'm talking about men who are servant leaders to their families, to their homes, in their marriages, in their church. But you're not gonna be afraid to lay your life down. You're not gonna be afraid and understand it is your primary responsibility to protect your home. God is the ultimate protector. It is your primary responsibility to provide. We gotta restore be men of God who flee immorality, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience. I need that. Uh, gentleness, I need that. Remember, I have six kids. I need a lot of that. So um, we need to be men of God who do those things. We need to be men of God who are wise in our, what? Your strength, it comes in your wisdom. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. See, when men tell me, you know what? I don't have ears to hear what you're saying because this is too negative. Maybe you get that too, Pastor, sometimes. Well, can I tell you that what you just said to me is you wanna be a man that has no knowledge, therefore you have no strength. Because scripture is telling you that in your knowledge, you gain strength. If we pretend like, ah, uh, I don't wanna see it, I don't wanna hear it, then you have no strength and you have no wisdom. Therefore, you're subject to what? Deception. And for by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety. This is what the church ought to have been doing. Men of God should have been getting together two and a half years ago, having a Jerusalem council moment, saying, you know what? Before we shut down anything, we're gonna go before the Lord. We're gonna be men of wisdom. We're gonna come together. We're gonna seek counsel. You see, we were doing that. Pastor Ben and I and others, we were having those conversations early on bouncing things off each other and recognizing, no, we are doing the right thing by keeping the church open. We are doing the right thing by resisting this because this is not of God. This is not how we show our love to the world by shutting down the hope centers of America. And there's wisdom in the multitude of counsel. Also, men, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. We got to put to desire our flesh and walk according to the spirit. We're going to, if, if we're going to be uh, the church that's going to push back against this evil agenda, look at Mr. Harari. He is a man who doesn't even know who he is. 
doesn't even know what, what, you know, how he was created because he denies his creator. He denies uh, how God made him. So we have to be that. Now, one other thing, uh, I gave this message about a month, month plus ago uh, at a conference that we did in Knoxville. And as I was sharing the message about being, uh, praying for godly, revival of godly masculinity and godly men again, the Lord just uh, really spurred my spirit to say, pray for the revival of godly testosterone. I was like, uh, Lord, am I hearing you correctly? Okay. Well, as I said that, somebody came up to me after the service, a pastor from Oregon, and he said, brother, that was just so right on. I said, what do you mean? He said, what you said about testosterone, because what God is restoring, he's restoring things even unto the cellular level in our bodies. He wants to restore and bring the the healing. And so he said, have you heard heard of uh, soy boys? And I'm like, uh, no. He's like, yeah, it's a term that we give. And here's the Urban Dictionary definition. I love this. A slang used to describe males who completely and utterly lack all necessary masculine qualities. This pathetic state is usually achieved by an overindulgence of emasculating products and or ideologies. So what happens when we have too many emasculating ideologies in the church, in the body of Christ, in the house of God, in the family, and our men have become emasculated spiritually? And he said, do you know that they put so much uh, estrogen in food? He said, literally, they put so much soy products in food. They're doing this intentionally. This was his, his, his supposition where this actually biologically is changing and dropping the testosterone level of men. Do you know testosterone in you men is not just about hoo It's actually physiologically necessary to help fight heart disease and, and other things in, in your body. God designed it that way for your testosterone level to be high. Not like high as in like excessively high, but you know. But as we age, it goes down, right? but they're intentionally doing things in our food. I had never heard of the term soy boy. So here's the thing. We don't need any soy boys. We don't need any pastors that wear jeans that are so tight that it's cutting off circulation to you know what part of the body I'm talking about. We need to pray for the revival of godly men, godly masculinity, and even, Lord, revive the testosterone level so that men can be men as they were designed. I love this quote from Thomas Jefferson. Timid men prefer the calm of despotism, but courageous men, what? They love the boisterous sea of liberty. Which one are we gonna be? If we're gonna push back, we gotta be one or the other. Which one are we gonna be? If we're gonna be timid men, then guess what? You're gonna just simply roll over and accept despotism. You're gonna just roll over now. I want to finish with this. We got pastors. So I I covered ladies, I covered men, but we need a revival of godly pastors and a revival of of, of the ministry of God in regards to fulfilling the equipping the saints. Evangelists, teachers, pastors. uh, Of course, I am not of the opinion that we have, uh, you know, the whole modern day apostles like, like they were. When I use the term apostle, I'm talking about small a, you know, apostolic ministry, not you know, I'm apostle so-and-so, but I'm talking about the fact that God's got to restore 
the, the, the relationship between the fivefold ministry, the work of the church, and specifically the pastors, because the pastors are supposed to be shepherds of God, right? So a number of years ago, the Lord uh, put on my heart uh, a specific word uh, that I had been praying about for a long time, and I've been sharing it. And I believe that what has happened is, particularly in COVID, he exposed not just lukewarmness in the church, but he exposed what uh, he referred to me as spiritual eunuchs. Woo! That when pastors have allowed themselves to be under that warped ideology, they've become soy boys. They become soy pastors. And as such, they've been spiritually neutered. Oh boy. Oh boy. And how many of you know, Satan loves to have, remember with uh, Jezebel, right? She loved to be surrounded by eunuchs. Eunuchs aren't a threat, right? If you're a eunuch, you're not a threat. And so if pastors are spiritual eunuchs, guess what? They're not a threat to the enemy. Satan's just happy to let that church be lukewarm and just keep going. So we need to revive that. And you know, one of the reasons why many pastors don't know what's happening is because they've never lived through tyranny. I saw that in my birth country. Those pastors that came out of socialism, Marxism, communism, Islamism, they've come out of that. They're warning the church about what's coming. Maybe we ought to listen to those voices and say, okay, we gotta prepare ourselves because they haven't tasted any suffering. They haven't tasted any hardship. And they think everything is just hunky-dory. Meanwhile, we're being infiltrated, we're being uh, sabotaged, and the enemy is coming for the sheep. We're the target, right? Frederick Douglass, who was an abolitionist uh, in uh, the Civil War timeframe, said, the limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of of those whom they oppress. So the question is, have you had enough? Is enough enough? As I said, two and a half years ago, we didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. Well, now you know. We're telling you the next plan. We're telling you what they're planning. And so the question of the pushback is, will we say enough is enough? The next time the lockdowns come and they say, we're gonna mask you up again like they just did in San Francisco, right? We're gonna mask up again. Are you gonna say no? The next time they come back with the vaccine passports or mandating, are you gonna say no? The next time they tell you that you're gonna do this with your kids or, you know, listen, all of this pride month right now that we're in this pride, how many of you know that it is an absolute abomination to God? It is the ultimate form of idolatry because to stand before God and say we're prideful for what? For sexual perversion, which is an absolute direct violation and attack on how God made man and woman. And yet it is happening all over. I just got video yesterday in Middle Tennessee in a conservative community of Cookville, a bunch of drag queens having drag queen hour in the park playing music, and how many pastors showed up in that community? Two. Two pastors showed up. Christians showed up, but only two pastors showed up. Where are the men of God that are gonna show up and say, you are not going to pervert my children? Literally over my dead body, are you gonna pervert my children? If that's what it takes to defend my children, I will do whatever it takes to defend my children because I'm not handing them over to Molech. I'm not handing them over to this perversion. Enough is enough. We got to say enough is enough. We got to prepare for the lockdowns. We got to prepare for the food shortages. We got to prepare for these things because if we have options, 
then it will be much more likely that we will not succumb to the pressure and to the fear. Finally, this effort, in my opinion, has to be local and not global or even national. I have very little hope for our national government, honestly. I'm not holding my breath for November because if Republicans do get elected, what does that mean? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. This has got to be local. Our fight has to be local. So number one, again, I love Frederick Douglass. He said, you know, a man's right rests in three boxes. Now, I would argue there's a fourth box called the pulpit box, right? We again have, we're ministers of the truth. But he said the ballot box, and not doing very well in the ballot box, right? Because they've corrupted our elections. The jury box, and we'll see what happens with Roe v. Wade. But, but we haven't so far gotten much justice in this land. And then he says the cartridge box. And a man who is outside these boxes is in a bad box. Agreed. So they always say, you know, you guys want to hold on to your guns and your, God, and your Bibles and your God. And my answer is yes, yes, yes. But reverse the order again, right? We want to hold on to our God. We want to hold on to the word of God. And we're going to hold on to our guns. Speaking of local, go see 2000mules.com if you haven't seen it. Phenomenal. I watched this as a mind from a perspective of a police officer. Phenomenal evidence. The question is, will anyone do anything with it? I reached out to my uh, friends over at the uh, uh, Constitutional Sheriff's Peace Officers Association. Go to their website, cspoa.org. Contact them. Encourage them. Uh, particularly Sheriff Mack, to say, uh, Sheriff, I believe the only thing this can be done is at the local level, if these sheriffs can convene grand juries and present the evidence that is clear-cut probable cause evidence, okay? If you watch the documentary, you know it absolutely flips the election. Just that one event, just the one event of identifying this one mechanism of fraud, the election is flipped. So we know that it was a corrupt election, Nobody, you, listen, you got to not tolerate anybody coming in your face and saying, there is no evidence of any, uh, the most secure election. And you have to be, when I say tolerate, just simply say, well, you're not dealing in facts. With all due respect, go watch something. Because all they're doing is parroting talking points. But a lot of what has to happen has got to be at the local level if there's a chance of saving you know, a county, a city. So talking to your county sheriff, finding out, is your county sheriff even constitutional? Do they even care about the rule of law? Are they going to resist any kind of federal or state imposition, particularly if lockdowns come again, which we anticipate they are? Moving on. Finally, one of the things that we're working on right here at Rock Harbor for you guys, and I'll have more information tonight, is I believe that we need to prepare as a community of believers and patriots in that order, in that order, to, to build alternative systems. For example, we need the pastors, what uh, historically we called the Black Robe Regiment. I love that, that uh, uh, pa- even Pastor Hibbs over here uh, donned a few weeks ago a black robe. We did that at our conference in Knoxville when I gave this message. Uh, years ago, my congregation had given me a black robe to wear, and they said, um, uh, hey, this is, we believe you're, and I've never called myself that, but when I was giving this conference about a month and a half ago, the Lord uh, put on my heart to bring it, and at the end, I took off my jacket, put the black robe, and I had a chance to pray. By the way, I'm gonna do that uh, today at the third service. I'm gonna pray over Pastor Brandon, because I believe he's a black robe pastor, amen? He's a black robe pastor. So I'm gonna, I, I wanna pray that. 
But the Lord led me to pray. There was about 20 pastors there. So I prayed over these pastors and I prayed, Lord, may this be the mantle on their shoulders now. Just like the historic black robe who were wearing their ministerial robes, but they had their military attire. On the, out, uh, on the outward, they were ministers of the gospel. They were presenting the gospel, but internally they were men of war. They were men of courage. They did not shy away from any spiritual fight or if necessary, a literal fight. Of course, we pray that would never happen, right? I, when I was a police officer, I pray that I would never, ever have to use force. Anybody that's in the military, you pray you'd never, ever have to do that. But if necessary, we will do whatever it takes to defend life, liberty, and defend God and defend our families. So we need that. We also, for example, need alternative systems for communications. Grid up, grid down. We're gonna talk about that more tonight. We need alternative systems for marketplace. What if we were to create our own food supply, supply or demand, and therefore we're not dependent on the grocery stores for much of our stuff. We're not dependent on the food shortages because we've been able to create direct line of communication with local farmers and, and ranchers and, and people here, and you create your own storehouse. The church ought to be a storehouse, just like it was in the time of Joseph. This is the time, folks. This is the time we gotta store up for what's coming until the Lord comes and takes us home. Because we don't know the day or the hour. Is it six months? Is it a year? Is it five years? We don't know. So we're supposed to occupy till he comes for us until we hear that trumpet sound, amen? We don't know. So we need marketplace. We need alternative education systems. Christian education. Rock Harbor is working on that. Homeschooling education. That's one of the things we did in Tennessee with our Raising Arrows homeschool ministry because there is a hunger for this if the church rises up and steps into these things. We're also looking at alternative healthcare. We're working on launching a healthcare ministry called Exodus Wholeness, and uh, that's something we've been working on for almost a year now. So these are all things that I believe are gonna be part of this alternative system to the beast system. Because as the phrase goes, perhaps it's time to come out of Babylon. That's maybe where we're at because we're seeing the beast system. We're in it, but we can't be of it anymore. We should have never been of it, really, right? And so therefore, God's building these alternate systems. So uh, after church, if you guys get a chance to talk to Pastor Banner or, 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 or Keith, uh, they can give some more information. Again, tonight I'll be going into more detail at the end of my presentation on this. But can I tell you right now, your church is committed I mean, they are committed to building these systems that I just showed you on the screen, amen? They are committed. They are all in on this because they know that this is your community right here. This church has got to take care of one another first and then maybe then can take care of others in the community. But first and foremost, we got to take care of the house of God, amen? So with that said, that's parts of the great pushback. I believe that, again, the Lord is saying this is not yet the time. I think God is giving us this window of opportunity to mobilize, to pray up, to armor up, to organize, to prepare all with the, all with the ultimate intent of making him known. All with, listen, because there's going to be others in the days ahead that are going to be very scared and very uh, uh, fearful of what is coming. What if we as the church, we're not, we're not walking in that same spirit? 
Again, what would have happened two years ago if the church had walked in the opposite spirit of what was in the world? We'd be in a different place right now, wouldn't we? But here we are now. God's allowed it. He's exposed it. Here we are. Are we going to push back? Are we going to say, Lord, empower us to resist this evil, to resist this beast system for a bit longer? How much longer? I don't know. But for a bit longer, Lord. Please, Father, give us more time to get ready for what's coming. Amen? So I want to close with prayer. Uh, Pastor, is it okay if everybody stands? If you guys would stand, I just want to close and pray for the men and women. And So, Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord God, for your uh, message to, to prepare ourselves to push back against uh, this great reset, this global system, Lord, by preparing things here locally, preparing things in your church. Father, I pray for the spirit of revival, Lord, that that revival is gonna lead us to be consecrated. Father, I pray right now that you would um, touch every man and woman, every brother and sister in Christ here, Lord God. I pray for every home, for every family. I pray for the revival of, of godly femininity and godly women. I pray for the revival of godly masculinity, Lord, even godly testosterone. I pray for the revival of our pastors, Lord God, those who have a heart of shepherding. Lord, I don't mean professional pastors. I mean those men of God who are called by God, who are actually touched by God and anointed by God to be shepherds of the body of Christ, Lord. I pray that right here at Rock Harbor Church, Lord God, you would empower them, equip them, uh, give them every tool, give them every means and provision, Lord. I pray for the wisdom and the strategy from heaven to be able to build these alternative systems to prepare marketplace and prepare uh, a place for your people, Lord God, that this body will be a, ha a, a safe haven, Lord, a sanctuary for the people of God here in this community, in this state, in this part of the country. Lord, I pray that you would empower each by your spirit to go out today and that this will not just be a message, but Lord, this will be a lifestyle moving forward that we're going to push back and resist every bit of what the enemy is trying to do with all that we have in and through us. Lord, we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.